Welcome to Talking Chalk Season 2. I'm your host, Jamie, and with me as always is my esteemed co-host, Ian Goodenough. How's it going, Ian? Going well. Uh, it's good to be here. I feel like I had a really good draft, uh, and I settled on my condo on Friday, so that's big moves. I'm glad we're getting that out of the way before the start of fantasy. It was so nice to see everyone. The draft was a lot of fun. I think the early start time uh, was different, but I actually liked it. Got the... I kind of liked it too. It was uh, it was nice to get back to Sussex before sundown. I will say, yeah. And the uh, the breakfast was good. You know, getting pizza afterwards was good. So uh, yeah, maybe we can continue that into the future. Yeah, the grotto's uh, grotto's pizza pizza and wings hit afterwards for sure. You know, it was interesting. I haven't seen people in a while. Obviously, the draft itself was really exciting, but it was nice to see everyone and kind of catch up in some ways and. And it seemed like uh, love was in the air for a lot of people, you know, people having babies and raising kids and dating single moms. And uh, it was definitely different. A lot. There's a lot that goes on when you, you know, stay at home for two years, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> you, miss, you, you remember the Ferris Bueller. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you just might miss it. So, you know, a lot, a lot goes on. If 15 years into this thing, uh, it's neat to see people evolve and, uh, you know, go through different phases of their life. I'll say that. So we're going to talk about, about this manager coming up and, and his draft, but I did have a question for you, Ian. And this is one that I've been thinking about for about six months now. It's been bouncing around in my head. And I wish we had an opportunity to talk to this person uh, prior to the season start, but I've got a question about Josh. Okay. And you're going to have an immediate answer to this question. But just pause, because I keep going back and forth in my head. It seems obvious, but I don't think it is. Ian, what is more likely to happen first? Josh wins another fantasy baseball championship in our league, or Josh Perry enters a romantic relationship? Fantasy baseball championship. <laughs> right? So that... That, that was I mean, my he's initial. Done, he's done two of those in his in his lifetime, so I, uh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that was my thought too. You know, immediately he's uh, he's won two already, so you know he could win again. But I was thinking, when you think about the numbers, fourteen teams, it is hard to win. Only one person uh, wins yeah. every year. If you gave everybody an equal shot going into a year, you'd have a one in fourteen chance. That's about seven percent. So there's a 93% all else equal. Yeah, all else equal. There's a 93% chance you are not going to win. So it's huge that you're not going to win. And that takes up an entire year of your life. And with that number, like you would have to go 10 years before you had like a 50% shot of not winning over those 10 years. So like you could pass a decade and still only kind of had a 50-50 shot. And that's everything being equal. And I mean, imagine running the stats on romantic relationships, though. They're kind of just as difficult. Yeah. So, yes and no, though. Like, especially since even the ones, even the ones that end in, that go to marriage, 50% of that ends in divorce. And I'm not saying marriage. I'm not saying <laughs> anything else. Just, you know, just hop on match and go on a date. I think, I think you need to create his profile and get him to go on this. You know, you've, you've stewarded him and, you've stewarded him to two fantasy championships before or so you claim, you know, if you could, that'd be the ultimate, that'd be way more uh, impressive of an accomplishment. If you could get Perry to 
enter into a romantic relationship. Yeah, like instead of the pawn He's a stubborn lunch, guy. it would be a wing wingman lunch. And, yeah. Wingman lunch. Uh, I would not give Josh a 7% chance to win in any given year either, because that's all things equal. And, you know, his performance over the last several years. And, not both, and, and both endeavors, uh, you know, take a little bit of effort and trying. So I think that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you got to get out there and that's, you know, obviously not something he's doing that, that I know of, of course, he might have a, a secret life. I bet uh, I've, I'm not ashamed to say it. I've been on a lot of bad dates in my life. Yeah, man. You just gotta, say you just gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I keep going back and forth. I'm not sure what the right answer is, but it does not seem like a great chance for anybody to win in any given year. So uh, we'll see where we are in another decade. Yeah. Uh, would you say, would you eliminate any teams out of the league yet? Like starting off before week one? Oh, uh, yes. Trevor. Like we could, we could talk about his draft. I think he just came Yeah, yeah his... we'll go into that. I just been, I, we don't need to go into details. Just saying off the top of your head, would you say you eliminate Trevor? You eliminate anybody else? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's anybody else. I mean, Trevor, I, I paid attention to his draft. I thought he should do a very specific thing. Um, otherwise, I don't give a lot of thought to some of those other really bad teams. All right. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So what's what do we got next after uh, after that? <laughs> so I think we should talk about some of the uh, the trades which took place. I know that <laughs> I didn't expect that cold, that cold intro. You know that uh, that really threw me off. Anything I had planned for tonight? <laughs> a little bit off topic. Like I said, yeah. I've been I've been alone uh, with that for six months now. So I need I needed someone else's. Uh, need to get that one input. out. Fair enough. I'm sure people won't have opinions about that in the league. By the way, um, I got a lot to talk about Perry this pod though. When we get to him, I will say that <laughs> there's some funny observations from the draft from my end so uh the the trade that did occur uh, or one of them was the the speed and brendan trade so speed acquiring a kind of a this year player in nick castellanos uh who's not old but certainly not young probably not the type of player that brendan wants to roster for two three four seasons until he can really turn this thing around uh or at least build that next young viable keeper set so they made a trade uh speed sent a first round pick next year and then also o'neill cruz which speed took with the the second overall uh waiver what did you think about that trade do you think that was coming a win-win move yeah that was one of those deals that uh so i i had the kind of inside of i was actually negotiating with brendan you know once he said castellanos was available i had engaged just to kind of see what he was and see if we could work out some kind of a deal uh and i and so he informed me that, you know, he, you know, that Speed had offered that. And I, you know, immediately said to him, yes, you know, take that. I get it totally from Speed's perspective. I mean, I, I know I've said this about some trades before, but I think that more than probably any trade to me, just if I'm Brendan, I do the trade 10 out of 10 times. If I'm Speed, I do the trade 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, I if think that, that makes sense to you. You know, it's just it with the positions of each of their teams and, and valuing those guys. I'm also big on O'Neill Cruz not that you know not that I'm certain he's you know he's not Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt level of value but I think the ceiling is so high that when you're star chasing in this game that's you know he's like the next best prospect to get in that category to me 
Andy's a guy that you know you're going to get a pretty good look at. Like he's not going to come up in August. He's going to be semi-immediate. I know they sent him down for the start. Uh, but yeah, he's unique. You know, six foot seven, 80 uh, raw power on fan graphs. Like it's, it's going to be, when he comes up, I think he's going to be very exciting. Even if he bats 230 for a long stretch of time, uh, you know, he's going to make some stellar plays uh, offensively at least. And having a six, seven guy at shortstop will be, you know, something to see too. Yeah, exactly. It's like seeing where he plays, you know, exactly where he's going to play, how he's going to be able to play it. It'll, it'll all be really interesting. And then I think just getting, I mean, whenever you're getting a first round pick and a deal too, it's kind of a nice little kind of assurance too of your, you know, it's, it's not that the first round pick needs to become this great player, although it is a shot at it. It's also just carrying value forward into that next year. You know, even if O'Neill Cruz totally falls on his face or doesn't get to 250 plate appearances or whatever, there's somebody else to keep. But I think in this arrangement, it's kind of, it sets up to work out really well for Brendan and that he can keep O'Neill Cruz where he would have been keeping Nick Castellonis. And I don't, and there's a chance too, that, you know, although Castellonis is set up to have a really good year, you really don't know. I don't know if you really get more than this for him later in the year. Right. You know, other than what are you going to get draft picks or, you know, maybe a, a, so getting, a getting first. both. Yeah, definitely. A first, I think a first was always kind of there. I mean, it's similar to, you know, he's, he's probably more, and, and it makes sense. Like he's more highly regarded than Hernandez was at right. a trade last year for, you know, and I think probably similar type player, although Castellanos has a longer track record. Uh, but I think similar profile player in terms of age and where they're at. And you kind of know what you're getting in the next couple of years, but you're not as sure how, you know, you're not as certain they would be as valuable into their mid thirties. Yeah. That's the exact trade that I would compare it to is Teoscar. Uh, similar price, I suppose that first round pick and a sixth round pick for Teoscar this time, a, a waiver and a, a first round pick from speed. So I think this is the second consecutive year that speed kind of made this kind of move. Uh, he traded for Teoscar pretty early last season, you know, well, well before the, uh, the trade deadline, kind of an early season trade, which we like to see. Uh, and he basically is, you know, putting another trade on his credit card, paying for it with next year's picks, really continuing to push the chips uh, in on this year, which is interesting because, you know, he's got a lot of situations in Tatis and Bauer that still need to play out. So uh, Speed did not have a lot of draft picks this year, and this is just one way to kind of supplement that. Uh, it would have been interesting had he taken Cruz and just kind of held him, you know, um, to sit in for Tatis, at least for the first several months of the year. But then Cruz was sent down anyway. Uh, either way, he, he bought a premium player for himself uh, to try to, again, go for it this year. Yeah, and I, I think it just I think it makes sense, you know, given the way his team contract does. And it seems like he very much has that strategy of he's going to keep kind of pushing forward this this window I guess you call it while you know Freeman's still at the end of his prime uh you know while Teoscar Hernandez is still good while man, Manny Machado's there all of that I, I think it's interesting though too where you're mentioning with Tatis being hurt and Bauer still up in the air I think it's it's not just a push forward but it's also it's, it's almost like Castellonis is like there to keep the team afloat right until Tatis comes back or until you get some kind of resolution from Bauer as well. So, I mean, it, it works both ways, uh, you know, either side that you look at it from Speed's perspective. Yeah, he did not have a lot of picks uh, in this year's draft. And looking at what he was able to do, you know, there's definitely some holes. And Castellanos, you know, kind of puts a Band-Aid on that for the first, first few months until Tatis comes back. I mean, and what, what would you say 
I mean, Castellanos is obviously what say definitely a top top twenty five hitter. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's safe. Okay, because obviously top, I feel top like fifty I, player for sure. I feel like I, yeah, well, top fifty overall player. I'm saying just as a hitter, like a top twenty five hitter. Uh, you know, I know first half of last year, I feel like he was like a top. 10 hitter like he was really I mean he was batting over 300 he was hot uh and I, I but I mean he still had a pretty good rest of the year but it was I don't know he's one of those guys I think that is no matter what brings you brings you the power and throughout the year but he also has he, he has that ability to really just go white hot too yeah the, th- uh, the 300 average is really interesting because the year prior he played a full season he batted 225 now prior to that he batted 321 273 so like that's the and he had the weird and he had the weird really bad year before he went to the Reds. Uh, his last, I think it was his last year in Detroit, and then he got traded to Chicago and did good the last month or two of the season, and then you know, and then ended up going to Cincinnati, I think, in free agency, and and obviously played really well. Uh, so yeah, he said he's had a weird kind of roller, little bit of a roller coaster of a kind of of his twenties, yeah. but overall still very good, and especially recently. Yeah, and uh, landing spot of Philadelphia is pretty good. Uh, it's one of the ballparks that you want your hitters to be. Yeah, in. if you're gonna, if you, that was the good, I think that was the biggest question with him going into the off season of where he landed up. Of if you're gonna leave a great park like Cincinnati, I mean Philly's one of the ones of the short list you'd hope he'd end up. Right, for sure, and local too. Like it's fun to. There's more press, or you're gonna see a lot more of that that type of guy just because we're in the the Philly market as well. Yeah. And not that this has anything to do with anything. I like Castellanos a lot from his personality standpoint and like baseball, you know, I always talk about, I like those kind of guys in baseball. I just, you know, Castellanos is one of those guys that has a, a strong personality. It's not annoying. Like Trevor Bowers is it's like the, it's a very competitive, like, I don't know, kind of it's fun and challenging. I just, I like Castellanos. Yeah. He, uh, he'll be good in the, in the Philly uh, media market as well. I think Philly, Philly fans will really like him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the O'Neill Cruz trade here is a good pivot to the next conversation. And that's about the rookie round this year. So I think 11 players were taken this year in the rookie round. It seems very active. And as you put a note here, uh, closers that were excellent last year that were under 100 innings pitched were once again, you know, pretty high picks or pretty good this year value in the rookie draft. I mean, incredible. If you talk about, obviously the big ones were Clayson and Romano, uh, and then I guess, how do you pronounce it? Doval from, yep. uh, from the Giants, which I don't know if he's going to split the job or not, or he's not as secure as Clayce and Romano are in their job. But uh, I think I Clayce would, especially if you look at the way the draft went with closers, you know, he would have gone at least in the second round. Yep. You'd say uh, Romano probably would have been in that run if, you know, what do you say, third round? Yeah, third, fourth at the latest. Right. At the latest. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of how I saw it when I discovered that these guys were under a hundred innings. Uh, and I think, I think a lot less people were aware of it this year, last year, everybody was aware of like Koran check and there was somebody else. Devin, I Williams. Devin Williams, yep. Devin Williams, one who wasn't even a closer, but, but I think people were more aware of it knowing last year was a shortened season. I don't think as many people put together that relievers because normally you don't go straight into closing to the point that before you kind of get to this hundred innings point, but because of the shortened season in 2020, these relievers who had already established themselves as full-time closers right. and got, you know, each of these guys got 30 saves last year. Right. I think. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if they quite got 
30. But they had they had the job for the full year, pretty much. Right. And and it's fully established themselves, great ratios. Uh and we're still under a hundred innings. I mean, they were each at 93. Right. Which is you know, bizarre and right in the numbers. So uh I wanna say, well, I think Ricky was aware, Romano and Clay's. I think you were, I was. Uh Steve sounded like he was. Yeah, to- I, I wonder that a little bit, but I would like, I think he would, but on the other hand, I don't know if he would have even engaged the idea of trading his pick if he knew he could have just taken place. Although exactly. the opportunity to get Castellanos was so big too. I, I just, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, Speed asked me like three on three separate occasions on Saturday, like how long I knew that those guys were available. Who do I think knew in the league? Like he was either felt like he was in on this little secret that a few of us were sharing or maybe he was, you know, unaware entirely because you're right. You know, he could have cashed in that number two waiver for Clayson, and like kept his first round pick and which no doubt else. helps his no doubt helps his, his team. And yeah. Uh, now I, like you said, it's hard to say whether it's better doing that or getting Castellonis, you know, that opportunity presented itself, which I think was really good for his team. So who knows? Uh, but I really don't think anybody else in this league knew. And so, I mean, I was, I was obviously taking place with the, the third pick. And then I think you had like the seventh or eighth. I had, um, yeah, yeah. But so there was a couple of guys that were going to pass that I knew were going to pass. Like duty likely should have taken one of those guys. Like, I think he would have been able to take Romano. Over Hawk. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, <laughs> there's definitely rookie starters available too, but the problem. And that's with- the other side of this. That is always kind of there. I think the problem with the rookie starter is, um, and again, they might uh, hit on some of these guys. Like I think five or six of them went in the draft and I'm sure one or two of them are going to be great this year, but the rookie starter being below a hundred uh, innings pitched often means that they're not going to pitch a ton of innings, you know, next year or this year for you. So like how many in- innings is how going to pitch or Joe Ryan or Ober these guys that are just getting stretched out now, or didn't have full 2020 seasons in the minors. Uh, I feel like the value is more of a lottery ticket than these these closers. At least Romano and Clace, I think, are more locked in for value. Yeah, I think, and and I think in a draft too. If we didn't have the rookie round, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I don't think Ober goes before those guys. Uh, oh, wow. You know, the other established starters are going. You know, similar with Ryan and Hauk and and those guys. Although I, I seem like a lot of guys liked Ryan, like. My, I don't know how much of this was a smokescreen, but it seemed like if Speed wasn't going to trade his second pick, that he was going to take Joe Ryan. Uh, and 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 this kind of leads into another thing that we can get into. Like, I was shocked that Suzuki and Ryan were talked about as like the two top guys. Well, I'll say I didn't contribute at all to the Suzuki thing, but like, I wasn't shy about uh, talking about Joe Ryan because I wanted Clace to drop to the third pick. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't. It's the, I was not talking about the, uh, the closers. Right. I also, like, like I said, in our last pod, we don't name names. Right. And it, it's tough too, because we want to talk about some of these topics because they're interesting, but at the same time, we're competitors in this league. So it's not like we want to give away the game. Um, yeah. The small, the small edges we do re- re- uh, kind of retain as everyone's catching up to us every year. Um, but yeah, I thought the, the rookie round, God, I love it. I know this is a kind of an unforeseen consequence of the 2020 season being shortened and now there's still some guys out there but this just adds such juice to the uh the rookie draft i think and i i think it is 
and I think it's interesting and it's kind of, it seems like a, a kind of growing trend. I don't know if it's just because of the last two years or the short year, but I think it's interesting that you kind of have to make that decision of, okay, you got to really like a guy if you're going to hold him over, you know, a guy who's in single A or double A or whatever over a guy that, oh, this is like an extra third or fourth round pick that I can grab right now, especially for teams like us who have traded away, you know, our first, second and third round picks, like the opportunity to get somebody like that for free is just too good to pass up. Yeah, I like Brendan Davis just fine. I would have been happy to keep him most years, but I traded my first three picks and I needed that like supplemental second round pick, basically, like you said. Uh, but it just opens up this this rookie round trend, opens up so many decisions uh, and allows people to use those two spots in a variety of ways. Do they want to, you know, get Anthony Vol- Volpe or however you pronounce his name is probably the top, you know, single A guy available that's going to be up this year or next year and be good. Or do you take the this year closer or hitter or starter, or do you you sit on what you have and, and keep riding the rookie waiver up, or do you trade it like like Speed did? I think it just adds such excitement and, and just a different set of resources that you can uh, make decisions over, which is what we do every year in fantasy baseball. Which I yeah, it's kind of it's fun and it adds a whole other element. I love the way. You know, I don't think we planned our rookie system to kind of be all of like this, but I think I love the way the kind of system works of the way, you know, the rookie round, nobody has right of refusal on a guy, you know, where it's like you, once he gets there, you can take him and there's nothing anybody else can do about it. Whereas the rest of the season, you kind of play this jockeying game. Uh, and then also you add in that aspect now of like what takes up some people only have so many spots and, you know, what takes up some of those spots or add some intrigue is the, yeah, we, we had every element of it this year, which is cool. Brendan moving up to get Cruz from speed, you know, the closers going, some pitchers going, and then just some other guys just taking rookies that they liked. Yeah, Duty had like a rookie or two already, but he was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going for it this season. I'm going to drop all my younger uh, guys, and I'm going to pick some this year starters to supplement what I already have keeper-wise. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I, I think that was good on him. Uh, the only other thing I'll, I'll say is like, and I'm not – uh, I was shocked that, well, not shocked. I was a little surprised to wrap up the rookie round of Trevor taking Suzuki number one. I know he had been trying to seem like trade it away. And I know of some managers who were interested in him for, you know, an immediate kind of fill in an outfield right away, immediate need, probably another guy that, you know, would have been a, I don't know what round you think Suzuki would go in. I think maybe around what fourth or fifth. I think you would go earlier than that, like second or third. Okay. All right. I, but you might be right. You know, third. Some people fourth. were, yeah, I know some people were high on him. Uh, I thought it was interesting, Trevor, in that move, though, of a, it seemed like, and it seemed like in his negotiations, he was trying to get a pick next year, which is what Speed ended up getting for Cruz. Uh, was, I'm interested that, or I find it interesting he took the this year guy, you know, versus kind of going, taking somebody like O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, I don't know what Trevor's necessarily thinking because you're right. Suzuki is like 27. Uh, so again, that's not old. Obviously, he's not going to be 30 and for I, three years. And I think what will make him good is like he should be a potential 2020 guy, but like a 20 and 10 guy, I think is kind of like what the baseline is what I'm kind of reading from him of like, you know, a definitely startable, useful outfield in our in our game right away. But you wonder what the ceiling is. Right. Compared to one of the, the younger guys like Cruz a prospect, or, yeah. or one of the single A guys, I think the best available was uh, Volpe. So yeah, I think 
and that goes into like Trevor's draft in general. It was, it was a mixture of different ages and I'm not sure whether he saw value and he just like, couldn't let it go at certain points. Uh, but let, let's kind of talk about him a little bit and what he did. You know, we identified that he had one of the weaker keeper sets. So for me, obviously I would acknowledge that as a manager and try to get younger and look for some high upside guys, which he did somewhat early on. He got like Ian Anderson and Zach Gallen in the first two rounds, but then and Mally, Tyler Mally, Mally for sure. And Mally, you know, I think is probably going to be in the top five, six, seven, eight picks every season. If he's not kept. I, yeah, I, this is two years in a row. I think him going in that range. Right. Right. Uh, but then he also took guys like Aroldis Chapman in the second round. And then he took uh, Nelson Cruz in the fourth round. So CJ Crone in the third round. It is right. So I'm not sure what he's necessarily doing. I, I look at this team and I'm trying to think of where he, he, you know, picked his spots to try to get keepers. Uh, he, he picked Eugenio Suarez, who obviously is, you know, probably cooked at this point. Uh, but the only keeper type players that I think he drafted were Ian Anderson, uh, Tyler Molly, Zach Gallon, and maybe Patrick Sandoval. I'm not really sure there was and much. Yeah, I, I, and like I said, I wouldn't even, I mean, Mally can fill in as a keeper, but like, I don't think there's any more upside there necessarily. And I, I like Tyler Mally. I, yeah. you know, I just, I, I think of any of those guys, you know, you would say it was, and I'm not a huge, huge Ian Anderson guy, but I could see it with Anderson. I would obviously see it with Gallon. I think he has a, still has a ton of potential, a lot of pitches. He can, uh, you know, he can establish himself, you know, for, as a, as a for sure top 20 starter, I think. I you're right though. It's that's the weirdest thing about his draft is you don't see any other guys that are like, Oh, he was very clearly, you know, we're talking about a guy who had such a depleted keeper set and where we were talking about his best keeper other than Zach Wheeler was Jose Abreu, who's 35 years old and not, you know, not really taking, I guess, you know, shots at guys that, you know, you could see big growth in, in 2022. Yeah. Like the Chapman pick in the second round is, quite strange uh like is trevor trying to like what is that yeah like what is chat what it's the same thing i think i said with ricky kept chapman last year it's like how good can this go for you right you know what chapman keeps the job another year in new york and strikes out guys and you know but like that's it like it's you know you don't want to keep that what do you event you know if if Trevor doesn't compete. Do you, what do you trade Chapman off for a third round pick? You know, is that what he's thinking with Cruz too? Like, okay, I can, I can uh, trade Cruz for a second round pick next year to some team at the trade deadline, if he's healthy and, and doing well. Uh, but do you think he's like already thinking about that? Like trying to secure some value? I don't know. I, my, my thought is when, and I was interested to see which direction he goes in this draft. And he was one of the most, you know, who I really wanted to follow both with the rookie and this, like to me, he's got to think that he can just, once again, build something out of nothing again and build something with a bunch of pieces. Now, unlike prior years uh, when he's done that, like he did have a lot of capital to kind of build out, I guess you'd say depth, if you call it, you could see him having, you could see him having a pretty deep pitching staff in a way. Uh, But yeah, I just, I think, I think that's really what his thought was. I think he thinks he can build this into a playoff team with enough of these draft pick pieces. 
Yeah, and I guess there's if, no other explanation to me strategically. If if Adele and Kirilov like both take the next step and are really good, and it seems like Adele's at least having a nice spring, uh, which is nice. Like maybe he could compete for you know that that five or six slot. And as we talked before, you know he's a really good week to week manager, so you know you can eke out some edges there. But it was just such a weak keeper set coming in, like. But my and my thought is not to say like to be out of it before you're out of it, but it's like, you know, you still got Torkelson who's going to be up, uh, you know, Torkelson, Odell, Kirilov, like these are all guys you got to sit and just let them kind of work through their rookie years and get somewhere, you know. And maybe he was thinking that like I already have some young talent like Adele, Kirilov, Torkelson, like those are going to be my keepers going forward. Yeah, maybe I don't need to add, you know, so just t- sprinkling in a little bit of Zach Gallen. Tyler Molle and, and Patrick Sandoval, you know, one of them hits and that's my seventh or eighth keeper. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out for him. Yeah, but definitely. He, he was one of many teams with, you know, a bunch of draft capital because last year, again, we've talked about it. The teams that were in the playoffs and even yourself as the seventh, uh, it seemed like half the league was trading away all their picks and the other half of the league was trading for all those picks. So guys with multiple first round picks, I think there was four teams with multiple first round picks and then several others with just a big time draft capital. Uh, so I wanted to run through those and see if those teams did what we thought they should do or what they're aiming to do. Uh, we've probably given them way too much uh, time on the pod, but let's start with duty uh, after Trevor here. <laughs> do we think duty I, set I, himself up? I think, yeah, I really liked duty strategy of i liked it he went although like i said i would have gone with one of those closers but i don't think he was aware of it i liked his commitment to starting pitching this year uh he got two right away before the draft and then you know continued continued to go at it uh he also added you know two of the better closers in diaz and jansen uh i think adding you know i think kershaw at the end of the first round was great yep uh you know to to have in there uh the only things that kind of stuck out to me, I, I love the Tristan McKenzie pick in the third round. I was really hoping McKenzie would fall to me in the fourth. I'm a big Tristan McKenzie guy. Uh, the only one that stuck out to me as odd was his Trevor May pick in the second no, that, that's, round. That's Dustin May. Or sorry, not Trevor May, Dustin May. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dodgers pitcher, obviously, mainly because, you know, he's going to be out for most of the year. Uh, and then, Duty kind of did it later too, where the ninth round, which I'm fine with this, he stashed in Soroka, who may be back, but like you're already, you're already kind of getting back into the you're chasing the name and hold on to them and all of that. And you know, we have four IL slots, you can do that. I just, you know, there was probably just other guys that could have made Duty's team a lot better in the second round. And I don't know, you know, if he couldn't get. Dustin May, you know, in the fifth round. Yeah. So that's exactly the pick that I wanted to talk about is that seems like a little bit of the old duty creeping out. It's like, I'm going to try to hit the home run, get Dustin May. Who's got 25 wonderful innings as a starter. Uh, but duty doesn't need that because he's got such an excellent keeper set. Like by, by the way, Dustin May, I'm pretty sure last year was a second round pick. He was, yep. When he was having a job in the Dodgers rotation and had had these magnificent things, this is before he blew his elbow out and is going to miss the entire season. Duty's paying the same price for him. Right. Now, I thought someone should have picked Dustin May relatively early. I'm not sure whether this is too early, 
or you know too late but like uh Trevor, but it doesn't fit as much with duty du- duty it's a it's a costlier pick for duty than it would be say for trevor or for you would say for bill but i yeah i yeah. or or for or brendan, evan let's say yeah. or evan yeah brendan or evan exactly but yeah uh so how or excuse me trevor takes chapman three picks before may like he should have taken probably dustin may there instead of Araldus chapman because that's the type of you know, if you think May has that top 15 ability when he's healthy, he's probably not going to pitch at all this year, but Trevor could invest that, that pick and sit on him and then hope that he comes back next year again as that young top 15 stud. Like that would have made sense to me. And then you look at the pick right after uh, duty takes, takes Dustin May, Mitch Hanniger goes, that's just like a, a meat and potatoes, like building block for a contending team. Like Maybe he was really focused on starting pitching and we can go through the next starting pitchers. Like I would have rather ha- seen him take Sonny Gray there or Stroman. Yeah, like Gray Gray or Stroman are your classic like middle rotation fantasy guys who like those are the real like like you just said meat and potatoes type starters to throw in. But like what's the upside here with May? He comes back in August and pitches okay and Duty keeps him next year? Like I don't think he's going to... And the other thing is on, on Duty's team you know, the Dodgers aren't going to be letting him throw six right. innings. It's, you know, he's probably going to be pretty limited towards the end of the year. You know, the Dodgers kind of baby their young pitchers anyway. They, you know, that's, yeah, I, I just, I think it's more trouble than it's worth. And I think it was like you were saying, just kind of duties, old habits kind of creeping back uh, in, in the form of that pick. Although he did a very good job to come with a strategy that I thought was appropriate everywhere else. That one just stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I mean, he took the the rookie pitchers and, like you said, a few other pitchers, but I would have definitely liked to see a healthy starter in that position. Where he got Soroka is fine. I know it's the ninth round. Yeah, Soroka, Soroka on its own is fine, and Soroka will actually be back sooner too. Right, but Soroka was like his 14th pick. So even though it was the ninth round, like he had already filled out his team. Yeah, yeah, you're getting the end of the roster there, yeah. So I, I think that's a totally appropriate pick. Uh, and I, you know, he... Um, yeah, and his other picks were fine too. I mean, you got German Marquez, I think is is great in the fourth round. Uh, yeah. You know, you hope obviously he gets traded, but you know, I think a fine pitcher on his own anyway. Yuli Gurriel, Avisel Garcia, like all you know, decent quality hitters to to fill out your lineup. Uh, you got Brent, Brandon Belt pretty late too in the uh, yeah the, t- the tenth round. Like I had him pretty high on my board even from the get go. But the, yeah, the, I you know sitting next to Duty this draft with the pick. I mean him. He told me right away he was going to take McKenzie in that pick. So I knew that. Thankfully, I didn't have to sit and wait and hope. Uh, But it's like between the rookie round and and that and his other picks, I was like, I said to Housekey, I was like, we've created a monster here. Well, I mean, I think think Judy (laughs) is definitely taking it seriously this year. Um, And I hope it pays off for him because he's, he's, like I said, he's set up with everything he needs, draft capital, rookie position. Uh, and a wonderful young keeper set. Like this should be his time to shine this year and hopefully the next few. Yeah. The one other pick pick that I thought was peculiar was uh, Gene Segura in the fifth round. Yeah, that one I I think Segura kind of ends up always being a fringe roster player in a way in our format. Yeah, right. Because he's useful, but he doesn't do anything spectacular enough that it's like, you know, 
at some point he's, you know, he's going to have his good stretch where he's rosterable and then stretches where he's not. And yeah. I don't know what was there with Segura. Uh, I mean, especially fifth round. I mean, I had just taken Grisham there, so he was already gone, but they're just, I mean, I don't know what else it's like at shortstop because I don't even look at shortstop to, you know, not to, uh, right. not, you know, check my own privilege or whatever, but <laughs> I saw, so I'm not aware of what it's like out there, but that one, yeah, struck me out as, as odd. Yeah. I mean, some of the picks that went after that, like Hunter Renfro last year, uh, hit 31 home runs, like almost a hundred RBIs, like Taylor Rogers should be a good closer. Uh, Voight and Mancini are both good players. Oh, love Voight. Like, fuck, uh, Justin Turner was, was still out there. He went in the sixth round. Like it, there's just some, and I don't know the, I don't know about the roster construction, I guess, of duties of he had to fill a shortstop, but that's what it, that's what that felt like. That kind of felt like a, but I mean, there had to be somebody better, right? And he already had jazz. He already had jazz. jazz chisel, chisel. So yeah, take away like, that. Yeah. Glaber Torres went the following round and I'd probably yeah, rather so in, in that him. point. It's like, yeah. How are you not taking, uh, Oh, you know, or just take John Gray there or, yeah. or you know another pitchers mccullers like probably anybody like you you picked 18 starting pitchers like duty should probably have done that <laughs> so yeah that, that's well, a weird pitch but we're we're nitpicking here like duty did some good things other than that yeah he had a, he had a really good drop we're nitpicking those two picks but yeah i thought he had a really solid clear strategy executed it well overall and i think you know obviously i think it sets him up as one of the best teams and i think he did a good job of getting the value out of his extra out of his extra draft capital so let's talk about uh another team this one kind of on the opposite end of the competing scale and that's that's evan uh so we talked about trevor and his draft but the other brothers johnston uh evan i feel like evan kind of got sneakily bad over the last few years like it always seemed like he was competing for the playoffs and then Suddenly he's not, and he's looking at a keeper. I mean, it's the, the Blackman, Altuve, you know, kind of keeper right. course, kind of slowly but actually faster than we realized, kind of aged out. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where he's been at. I feel like the last two seasons, uh, I loved his Luis Garcia pick. I thought, I mean, I thought other than, you know, other than Gallon and somebody that could have, you know, being a keeper potential pitcher. I thought that that was him there. And I thought you could have made the argument for Garcia going number one too. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I really liked it. Sorry, go ahead. Jo Josh was thinking about Garcia with the number two pick. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I think that would have made a lot of sense. Uh, Bassett. I, I don't know. So I was a big Bassett guy last year, but last year just felt like everything was right for him. Right. Uh, and I tried to trade for him as I've mentioned before, before he got hurt. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't love that pick, especially him leaving Oakland and going to New York. It seems like just, I don't know. It doesn't smell good to me. Uh, you know, other than that, I mean, Valdez is fine. Cronenworth is fine there. Renfro is fine. Uh, you know, even like Lourdes Goreal and all that are fine. I just, I don't, I don't love any of these picks other than I'd say like Garcia. I think, I mean, I like Framber Valdez too. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very like Evan draft though. I don't know. Like it's, I don't, I can't, I don't, I can't really have problems with any of these picks, but I don't really love a ton of them either. Yeah. I mean, I think between Luis Garcia and Framber, like both of those guys are relatively young, have potential. You would hope to get a keeper out of one of them. 
But then looking at the yeah. rest, I remember of the Valdez was going to be kept last oh, year yeah, until yeah. he tore his finger or whatever. I mean, he's he, you know, he he's another guy like Luis Garcia who potentially you could see yourself, you know, ten months from now saying, "Oh yeah, I got a legit keeper starter now." Yeah, and I think aside from those two, the rest of the top of this draft, like you said, in Bassett, Erod, Treenan, uh, you know, they're not that exciting for possible keeper implications, but and this might just be because we've spent the last three months talking about keepers that I keep going back to that. But for a team like Evans, he's kind of looking for that next star that can carry his team. And I don't necessarily see it on the hitting side of what he took. You know, Cronenworth is pretty low on a lot of dynasty rankings. I'm not sure if you've seen that in a while. Yeah. And I, I love Cronenworth, but the, the ceiling's just not there. It's like, I, you know, I think that, and I, you know, I kept him last year and that, it with the idea of like, okay, he's going to have to steal 20 plus bags and then he would be interesting. But I think it's pretty clear. He's just not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, like you said, he has got that upside um, that could make him like a top keeper, you know, your top five keeper for an individual team. Uh, yeah. I, I do like some of the stuff that Evan did first. I like that he kept Kopech because for a while Kopech wasn't on the keeper sheet as him keeping him. Uh, he was just going to be a drop player. And Kopech was one of the guys that I was thinking about taking at number three. Um, I still quite hadn't decided who I was going to take. I thought Speed and Trevor were going to take uh, more pitchers, more of the closer types, but that should be an excellent like keeper level uh, guy, hopefully that can develop for Evan. Yeah. He's an exciting one to say. I like the Kimbrell pick like 12th round. Like there's a chance he gets traded. Otherwise he's going to be pretty valuable until he gets traded. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few picks here that I liked from Evan. I don't think he knocked it out of the park uh, at all. I like the Lourdes Gurriel pick. Like he could continue to, to make strides. I know he was a yeah, especially, especially in the Jays lineup. Yeah. A few years ago, like he seemed like a young keepable player. Bill, Bill drafted him, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, uh, a few years ago, which always bodes well for uh, a future uh, for the player's future. But yeah, uh, kind of ho-hum from Evan, uh, nothing awful, but um, you know, nothing all that exciting. Yeah, I agree. Next up, let's uh, let's talk about Bill a little bit. So Bill is my number one draft. Uh, I look at the players that he took, the spots that he took them. It might just be because these are guys that I was looking at and didn't get a chance in a lot of cases to take, but I feel like he knocked it out of the park. Like Clevenger uh, at five. Uh, yeah, Clevenger I thought was kind of a, you know, just totally made sense and you have a mixture of both, I think, kind of proven ability, but also keeper ability slash upside in the first round. Uh, and yeah, so I, I like that a lot. Yeah, Clevenger is a little older uh, than I thought he was. I think he's 31. You know, I kind of think of Yeah, but I think for a, starting, for a starting pitcher, I think that's a fine, you know, especially somebody who doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have a lot of mileage on, right. on the arm, which is nice. And he's got a fresh elbow now. But as you mentioned, you know, he had upside when he was pitching. He was pitching quite well. Uh, you know, he had that top 20 starter upside. So Bill's uh, banking on that. And then Mondesi at nine uh, and Carlson at 12. Like those are really high, young upside hitters. Uh, Logan Gilbert, I thought was a great pick in the second round. He was a really hot name. Yep. Uh, Ty France was just kind of a solid uh, guy. Should be really good this year in that Seattle lineup. You know, I'm a Ty France guy. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery, uh, John Gray. I think the Dal Dalton Varshow pick, that was one of the, you know, two or three catchers that I thought people would need to reach for. 
uh, you know, those kind of sleeper level guys. Um, so he was able to get him, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck, I think, you know, could have a pretty good season. I know he had a good second half last year. I was looking at him, but like um, the Rojas pick a lot too. Yeah. And then he was able to throw some darts at a lot of relievers that I really like too. I think Bender is going to end up the closer in Miami. Uh, Sims has a lot of talent though. He's, he's hurt right now. We'll see what happens with the Reds closer situation. He's able to get Ashby relatively late. I thought that was going to be a, a name that either went in the rookie round or a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. So I just love almost every single one. I, and I think, I think Bill did a good job here of straddling like the still taking shots at keeper talent while getting clear established value. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think, I think in, you know, in guys like in Montessi Clevenger, you know, Gilbert, you know, even Carlson and, and, and France and all like, those are all guys I think that, you know, or you have a pretty good bet. They're going to help you this year, but you could see also playing above that and doing better. Like, especially, you know, Carlson or, or Gilbert or Clevenger. Yeah. I mean, just look at it. Uh, Bill's pick of Bobby Dahlbeck in the sixth, like right before that, Evan had taken Renfro. He'd taken right after it, he took Pollock. Like he's taken those types of players, uh, whereas Bill's taken like the Bobby Dahlbeck, who's younger, that he could be a keeper level player if he if he really outperforms his uh, his expectations. But we don't really. I'm know not as big of a Dahlbeck guy, but yeah, I I agree. At least you know, there's definitely the upside there with the power. Right. So sometimes these guys are just making picks that kind of play themselves out of the possibility of that upside. Like Pollock is a great guy, but like seventh round for a rebuilding team seems kind of a silly pick. And the, the thing that finds me funny though, and I, I kind of want to bring this up both about like Renfro and for Pollock, like, yeah, they were, they were good last year and fine players, but I'm pretty sure they were each in free agency multiple times last year. Certainly. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, they're, I, I don't know. I always find it funny when I see guys in the, in these type of rounds picks that like obviously had a good year the year before, but you know, you're going to see in free, I, like, I would bet on seeing the, one of those guys in free agency again this year. Yeah. That's the tricky thing is when a guy has a relatively long track record of being mediocre or slightly above uh, average. And then they had that one good year. And then you say to yourself, oh, Hunter Renfro, I'm locking in 35 home runs, 100 RBIs. And it's like, no, that might have been his 90th percentile season. Now, that said, I, I love that he went to Milwaukee. And I, you know, I had Renfro on my list. I thought he would go a lot later because of that. And it's like, oh, maybe I'll get him, you know, later on. But, but yeah, in the fifth round, it's like, I feel like you're already paying for what Hunter Renfro does, which is the, you know, the 260 batting average and the 30 home runs. Right. And how much better is it going to get? Um, so yeah, yeah, I liked everything Bill did. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, he's kind of got a mid tier keeper set, whether this is enough to push him into playoff contention, but I feel like I say this every year. Like I, I love a lot of his picks. Uh, and sometimes when I don't love a pick, like I talked about Dustin may last year, you know, how it, you're not leaving yourself much room for profit there taking him in the second round, but he still would have profited if Dustin may had been healthy and you can't help that. So yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking some stuff up just by watching Bill, and I really like this draft. Yeah, I like I didn't even realize how good his draft was actually until like I knew we were talking about him, but I'm like looking at it now, and yeah, and it's uh, it's he did Bill did a really nice job. Yeah, man. All right, so definitely one more team that I wanted to talk about, uh, kind of separate from the others because it's such an outlier, but 
I think Josh did a really good job drafting this year. Like I, I got a gripe. I hated the, I don't like the Polanco pick. Okay. Uh, but all of his other stuff, I, you know, I, I said it, and this is what I was going to say about Perry. It's like, I said immediately, I was like, first of all, I think this is the first time Perry's drafted closers, you know, in 10 years Yeah, in a draft. Uh, and then also I just, you could tell Perry was focused and it's like, uh, like, I think I said at one point, I was like, oh, is this what Perry does when he's going for it? Uh, and the funniest part of the draft to me was, or one of the funniest parts was at the 10th pick, Duty was trying to trade up from four or uh, from 13 to get Perry's pick, presumably, I think, to get Hader. Uh, and he offered him a pick, and Perry's staring at his computer screen, didn't even say no to him, just shook his head and went back down to his computer screen like he was focused on who to take. And Perry was locked in all draft. I love it. Yeah. So Josh has, I was surprised at his keeper set kind of being mid tier, but he's, Obviously, he's got Vlad and, and Wander Franco now. And uh, so you just got to start trying. Like, you're not trying to reinvent yourself. The Polanco pick was okay. I mean, he's one of the better hitters, perhaps, available. And he plays second. There was not a lot of second base uh, talent available as somebody who's looking at both second and shortstop myself. Uh, I like it probably better than picking Luis Garcia. Um, but like, after that, like I love the hater pick. Bell was very love high the on my, hater pick. Bell was high on my board value wise. My problem is that I'm a big and I was a Bell guy and I owned him last year after you dropped him and like he was great. Uh, I I just I still don't. And some people were saying like, oh, if he starts elevating the ball, there's a lot more upside. Like my thing is is that I don't think there's much room for profit at that point. I think he last year produced to what this pick would be at the end of the first round. I mean, he for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some better picks there. Bell was 108th uh, ranked last year, so it's not like he was even a top. And he had an awful, player. he had an awful first four or five weeks or whatever. He did, yeah. Uh, so true. it was very backloaded, and he, and he was great. You know, he was productive for me, but it was, uh, you know, he was a great guy. But it's like I don't know him getting drafted again there. Just kind of, I don't know. I get it. I just, you know, I wouldn't have made that pick necessarily. I like, like I said, not a lot of room for profit, so to speak. Uh, and yeah. similar with, and I have a similar feeling about Hanniger too. To nitpick here, like you know, it's we, we you know we go back to Renfro and to um, to Pollock of like having these years. It's like why doesn't that same idea apply to Hanniger? Like when is how do we know? You know why would you bet on Hanniger playing 150 games again? Uh, he had a he had 110 runs, 100 RBIs, almost 40 home runs, like. And he's going to be in the Seattle offense. I don't mind that at the end of the second round. Like that's a, that's a solid dude. In the like, second round, and when you when you have this many picks, I guess it makes it easier. Yeah, you're not taking that with your only pick in the first or second round. It's Perry's fifth pick or fourth pick or whatever. So yeah, I, get, I guess it makes more sense there. I don't necessarily uh, just, see a hitter, especially an outfielder, the win after that that has, you know, higher. And that's upside. true too. Yeah. If you got to take an outfielder, I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe out of the second round made sense there. And then I like that Nathan Avaldi pick a lot. Tommy Edmond, you know, that seemed a little early for him, especially since yeah, he took Blanco as a second baseman, but then he took Tony Disco. Uh, Love Disco. I was hoping he would fall to me. Did Mancini, not. like he got Solaire. Mancini solid. 
sixth round. Like he uh he picks some. Yeah, guys. Solaire yes. was great. Uh and I even like him getting like in the seventh round, like I don't know, why not see if you get another good year out of Ryu or Granky or McCullers? You know, I kind of like those kind of all together. Yeah. Yeah, and then he took a few more uh, close. I mean, you got to remember, McCullough, McCullers went, I think, in the first or second round last year. Right. So we got them in the in the seventh. Like, that's – I think that's just a solid Like, Ryan draft. was the number one pick or number two pick last year. Yeah, no, Perry Perry did solid uh, just all around, really. I And I'm interested to see how good he'll be now, or, I'm, or at least I'm interested to see how he manages now with his team because he very clearly made the – okay, um – I'm going to get this year guys. Whereas prior years, I feel like Perry was throwing too many darts. Yeah. I mean, his pitching is pretty damn decent. He's got plenty of relief pitching and then freed Manoa and Webb. You can make some arguments about Webb. Like none of them are top 15, top 20 guys, but like they're all safely in that 20 to 30 range. Uh, so that's a really nice base to start with. And then Eovaldi, uh, Disclafani, McCullers, Ryu, Granke, Kikuchi, like if you find two or three starters out of that mix, like you're you're looking at a solid. Harry always ends up with Kikuchi, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he's. Uh, I won't. I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> no Kikuchi jokes. Uh, but yeah, I like I like his keepers coming into it. He's got some young talent. I like Will Smith a lot, uh, and then he surrounded it. He plugged in all the holes that he needed to. I like most every pick that he made. A few nits and uh, here and there that we could pick, but I think Josh should be able to compete for one of those last playoff spots. I, I don't think that that's would unreasonable. You put, would you? Do you think? Do you think Perry should be a playoff team now? Do I think he should be a playoff team? Uh, I would say it would not surprise me if this was like the sixth best team in the league, especially if Wander Franco like takes a step forward. It would not surprise me if he's bouncing like between that sixth and eighth best team in the league. This is a really solid foundation that he's put together. I mean, it's got a lot of potential too. If you get full seasons or somewhat full seasons from Seager and Stanton. Yeah. I mean, and obviously there's a few players that I'd probably replace off this roster, but you have an entire season to do that. And he can vest next year's picks. Um, I think if I was him, I would have had, I would have made a pick in the rookie round. I don't think he did. Uh, he did. Yeah. He stood, he waited. He, uh, I think speed was trying to get him to take a guy for him. And I think maybe that guy was Romano, maybe speeded with a closer thing. Right. Uh, but obviously I took him, then it, it put that off. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to see him use that asset because he has like an empty spot. He could he could have wheeled and dealed that and then made another selection. Obviously, it would have cost him waiver priority order, but like that, that shifts around throughout the season enough unless he's hoping to get the number one waiver again and, and pick a young guy. But like there's like top five draft picks still available from last year's MLB draft. Why not take one of those yeah. guys? Yeah, um, there's got yeah, there's 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 numerous guys I would take that I'm I mean, I'm probably just going to wait, but I'll probably be claiming guys within the next couple of weeks. But, but this is the thing, like there's so many different avenues to improve your team and resources that you can, um, you can use to get better. And if you don't take advantage of all those things, then you end up behind. 
like Mook didn't know about the closers that were available. So like he didn't get Jordan Romano, you did. So like, there's all these little edges and it's kind of, it's kind of. It felt good telling Mook that he needed to do his research. (laughs) But yeah, you just have to, uh, you have to think of every way to make your team team better. He is that guy, by the way, is just, just fucking strutting around the fact that he is Byron Buxton. Guy hasn't Uh, done anything yet. I, I texted Mook two letters today. It was just G T. Why you got to pump this up, Jamie? Byron Buxton hit a grand slam today, and his response was probably off. Probably off a guy who's going to be bagging groceries next week. He said, "When will Goody give him the respect he deserves? We'll see." I won't. He's got to play 145 games. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe if exactly. Yeah, maybe if he plays over 140 games, I'll I'll give him some respect. Until then, I think. I think Mook's team is pretty good too. Like Verlander was great pick. Seven. I liked, I liked his Verlander pick a lot. So yeah, I get, I guess that kind of goes into now we can talk about outside of the teams who dominated the draft. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of starting off of first or second round picks that you liked a lot, I guess, or just other observations. I mean, Verlander to me, to Mook was the exactly right pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, we always talked about how, I always say Mook doesn't know what it takes and all that. He doesn't realize that he he's at a different point of his window than he thinks. And he's still chasing, he's still chasing the, the young flings with Byron Buxton and all of that when he doesn't need to. And Verlander, I think was a perfect person to pair with Scherzer, obviously with the last year and a half off, you know, should be fresh. Looks good. Is back with the Astros. Uh, I love, I love that pick. Do you think that was the best pick of the first? I think of picks that made, yes. Yeah, I think it was. Of that, I thought not only was for this year, I think probably the only other one I'd say is Clevenger for Bill. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, but I think, I think even more so the way it fit Mook's team and all of that, I think Verlander was just perfect. I, th- I think so too. I think he's got a chance of being the, the top ranked player that's drafted drafted this year like if you were yeah to- yeah i could yeah i'd easily if i was setting a betting pool of any of these guys to be the highest ranked player in the player raider i'd obviously do verlander and i think given mook's team i think that made a lot of sense uh how about worst pick of the first round either just the raw player themselves or you know fit on the team for the the person that uh, that chose them. uh I, I'm going to go on it. Uh, oh, Bassett, definitely. Bassett. I, that, that's yeah, exactly yeah. where I was. Too. There was other ones I was going to pick uh, before I realized I saw Bassett I'm looking at. I mean, I really don't like the Polanco number two pick. Right. Who, who but, have you taken there for Josh? Like, he, he texted me he was going to take Luis Garcia. I would have taken – I think Luis Garcia would have been a great pick for him. I think Garcia, I think Clevenger, I think, you know, even – yeah, I, I think Garcia or Clevenger, I mean, maybe he was dead set on going hitter there, but I think the value there, I think the value in the first couple of picks are normally getting a really good starter. You right. know, if, if if a hitter was really that great and that special, they would have been kept. And sometimes guys can slip through as a pitcher. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I would have gone, I would have gone Garcia or Clevenger, I think. Uh, do you think Luis Garcia is going to be a better picture, pitcher than uh, Molly? I, yes, I think, yeah. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, Garcia would have been a mix of like young and performance or Molly's performance and a little I, bit older. I think, they, I mean, I think they both have pretty good floors and I think they're both, you know, at least that kind of like first round level of like what Mally's been. But I just, I really don't, I've, I've seen enough of Mally over the last year and a half. I think, I think he's fine. He is what he is. I just, I don't see it going forward necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking fine. at his keepers, Josh. Like, I'm not sure he needs an eighth keeper. His lowest keeper is Stanton. Uh, so yeah. he'll probably find somebody better than him perhaps. Um, but yeah, Polanco, I think was like 10th, 10th on the I, I could see a scenario with Polanco. It's like, okay, yeah, I know he was a like I think the 50th ranked guy or top 50th ranked guy last year. I could see a I, I could see this year him not even ranking him top 100. Yeah, kind of like Rio, uh, which was Josh or no, Josh took Maeda last yeah. year. Yeah, but like I think I think I think I think that pick is too much just looking at what he was last year, not putting in the context of his years before, what he's been looking forward, all of that. I think, I think that was everything going right for Polanco, and I don't think that we see it again, but maybe I'm wrong. How about the second round? What do you think? We haven't, we haven't given that as much attention. Yeah, I love that. My favorite pick of that is Gallon. Okay. But that's also, I think, you know, I think as much as any pitcher on the board of keeper potential, I think Gallon – was the guy out there. I think my favorite picks were either Housky getting Rendon. I mean, Rendon, like just two years ago, maybe, maybe it was the three years ago was basically an MVP candidate. And I know he was hurt, but like back in that lineup with Otani and trout, um, I think that that's, yeah, but this is a guy who's always, he's always been hurt and it's, that's true. you know, he's getting older and I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love that. Uh, I would have liked the Mankata pick, but I thought he would have actually gotten Mankata later. Yeah, I think that was a little early for I, I, I think the talent's there in Mankata, and I would bet on it too, but it's, I think he, you know, whatever he went and he got him. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I liked him. I liked him taking Votto in the fourth round a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind any of Haskey's early picks. The, I mean, Mankata we talked about maybe, but the Votto into Garver, Ben attendee, fam, at Fordo. Like I think those are all pretty darn fine. You always know Benny's going to end up back on Housky's team, and he was surprisingly good <laughs> last year. I think the yeah. other other second round pick I like was Fran Mill Reyes. Like I'm not sure yeah, why that this was guy really, yeah. isn't a first round pick every year or even a keeper. Like I think he was number. I mean, he's top ten on my board or top. I mean, I know they went right back back, back to each other, but yeah, I'd go Reyes over Bell. Uh, yeah, and Josh has owned Fran Mill Reyes before as well. Fran Mill Reyes is 26 years old. Yeah, like, and I think I, I think yeah, the power, yeah, the power's for real, and he's uh, and you know he's almost aggressive enough in a way that it's good for fantasy. It's like I know he doesn't like walk a ton, but it's like it's not it's not like he doesn't, but he's on the more aggressive side where it's like it's good for like counting stats and home runs in a way, you know? Yeah. And then, like, like I said uh, earlier, with duty taking May in the second round, I think was just a mismatch of uh, the team that should have taken him at, at that point. And some would you, other guys. What do you think about what do you think about Wainwright second round to speed? I think that's. I mean, this is a guy that was interesting. That you know, he was traded for like a sixth or seventh round pick last year, and that you know, people would have thought he was dead at the middle of last year. You know. 
Yeah, I think if Speed had done it the other way, like he took Wayno and Sonny Gray back to back. If he had just flipped those, I'd feel better about oh, it. Oh, so I know it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I know it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. But Wayno, like, why are we paying for an age 40 guy's like dead cat bounce? Like, do we really think he's going to do that? Like, I don't I have to look. Like, that's my thing. It's like, yeah, what are they? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather have a Evaldi, uh, Evaldi at this point? I think, though, I mean, Wainwright being, if he's, if he does, if he repeats what he did last year, which I, I think the Evaldi, I don't think has like the, you know, doesn't have that stretch of being as good as Wainwright was last year in him. I don't know if Wainwright has one of those stretches. And I would have said that last summer too, but then he did. So, Avaldi was twelfth in the league in X FIP last year. Like he was, damn yeah, good. was that good, huh? Well, let me let me swear by FIP. He was even better by FIP. He was he was third in the league in FIP last year. It, it wow. went Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Avaldi, Garrett Cole, Brandon Woodruff. Like you would not put Avaldi in that group of five pitchers in any other. Ah. Like he was really good and i feel like he's obviously younger um and much more likely to reproduce the type of season he had versus adam wainwright who he is he's turning 41 this year he will turn 41 yeah yeah okay yeah of all versus wainwright you're right yeah uh to be fair though i mean i will say Avaldi has his fifth has always been lower than his era Sure. By a decent margin, uh, you know, especially in, in, you know, relatively, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. That, that just, that seems like a mistake with the limited. I mean, I could see either one now. Speed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see speeds kind of like he's, it's funny. He got, I caught it. He's got like the, the grumpy old men uh, of Wainwright and Chuck Morton. And he even got Rich Hill towards the end. Yeah, I mean, he better hopes to hope the um, Bauer situation gets resolved and Bauer actually plays again because he's getting a little long in the tooth. Some of these guys on his team, which is fine uh, for competing this year, but I don't know. Wainwright versus Avaldi would probably be something I'll be keeping an eye on throughout the year, yeah. just as a what could have been. I think Sunday Ray's fine. I think he's uh, due to kind of bounce back. I liked him going into the last year. He just didn't kind of put it together. Um, but yeah, speed had very limited draft capital. I know he joked about, you know, going to get a drink or something. Um, but, so. and really his two only big shots were those starters were Wainwright and Gray. So it's like, yeah, you really got to make them count. And then you would have thought, you would have thought like even Stroman would have been better there. I, than Wainwright. I was going to say Stroman, Avaldi, Urquidy. I, I don't know. I think that's more of a toss up. Like I think Urquidy is definitely uh young, younger. I had him last year. I liked him when he pitched, but he was, no, not going to pitch two other days. I don't know. All the a lot of those guys that look at it, it's like Patrick Sandoval. Uh, I think that's in a different tier than the uh, the Stroman Avaldi. Like I would not prefer Sandoval, especially for speed in that position. Yeah, uh, obviously he's got the skills. I think Trevor taking him is perfect. Okay, but not for speed. Like for speed, you only have two picks in the first eight rounds yeah yeah you got to get the same that's i mean sonny gray was a perfect one of that and then like you're saying yeah either Evaldi or stroman are probably the next you know the next good options there i mean the other thing you could say about wainwright is he he pitched 200 innings last year he was one of four pitchers to pitch 200 so that like that's pretty valuable Evaldi. yeah yeah he can that's the thing he can do that uh but like crazy 
at some point these guys just die. Uh, when, when is that going to happen? Um, so yeah, that, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on any other picks that, uh, warrant any discussion here. Do you want to talk through, uh, your draft for a minute? I can. So my, I mean, my, I was going to ask you what you thought of my, my, I guess you could say my pitching strategy as I kind of went, because I really, my thought obviously was to take all pitchers all the way through. Um, you know, Grisham just kind of fell there where I think it was just too good to pass up in the fifth round. I really didn't want to take a hitter, but he was there and he was screaming at me in a way. Uh, so I went there, but I mean, so basically my strategy to tell you, to be honest, like I early on, I knew I wanted to take either Strasburg or McKenzie with my first pick or, you know, Discafani. I didn't think would ever get there, but I thought, you know, as the draft went on, I thought he might slip. Uh, but the other, th- the big thing that I bookended my kind of draft around was other than that was I knew I wanted to take Lazardo with that kind of sixth or seventh round pick. Cause I knew I wanted needed to be aggressive and I really, really wanted him. I had a hard on for Jesus Lazardo. So I know I was kind of reaching a little bit. Uh, but then on the other side, I always knew kind of like the back end fill my rotation. I liked the idea of drafting Corbin back there. And then I just kind of wanted to fill in between with a list of guys and it's kind of funny of the list of the guys that I listed out that I thought I get two or three of them to fill in there. I ended up getting all of them, even to the point where I gone was chilling thir- in the 13th round, even after that point where I said, okay, I'm going to take, you know, Corbin to kind of end my staff, so to speak, or not, I knew not end it, but at least like be like six or whatever. Uh, he was still there and I grabbed him. So I, I was really happy. I mean, all those guys, it's like, I wanted in the same point, like it's like, I wanted one of either like a Kluber, Ryu, Carrasco type. And I ended up getting two of them. I got Kluber and Carrasco. Uh, I still got my Lizardo pick, which I was thrilled about. Uh, You know, the gray Rasmussen paddock kind of, you know, throwing darts that I liked. I got all, I got all of them. Uh, the only one that I didn't get that I thought I would get where I got Gonsalin or uh, or shortly after that was Housky got Mitch Keller. I was going to have as like the very last like extra guy I didn't even need to start like just to kind of see. Uh, but other than that, I was thrilled uh, with everything. I mean, I thought Graham or sorry, um, Grisham was, you know, a great fit. And like I got all those mid starters while still being able to stash the lottery ticket in Strasburg on the I.L. Yeah, Strasburg was your first pick there. Um, yep. Trying to look to see if there's anybody that I would have taken over that. I mean, so I think you kind of put yourself in a position only keeping the only the only one that stuck out to me a little bit that I like. I kind of wish I would have taken Ozuna there, but with Grisham getting Grisham the next round, I think maybe you know I was fine like that. Once Grisham slipped to that next round, I was I was pretty thrilled with that. Right. Yeah, I think your keeper situation only keeping. Peralta as your only healthy starter basically forced you to kind of go all in on, on starting pitching a little bit. Um, it feels like you got a lot of good lottery tickets of guys that could be good, either Strasburg and Kluber types that, you know, get back to where they were or Carrasco's in that same category along with Corbin. And then you've got the young lottery tickets and Luzarda, Paddock, uh, Josiah Gray, Rasmussen, et cetera, Gonsolin. So, yeah, I think that the tough thing is like usually you're looking in the draft for someone to be like fourth, fifth and sixth starter. Um, but you're looking for somebody to be like your second, third, fourth. So like, you, yeah, you, you need I to staff a, a much higher, higher tier 
you need these lottery tickets, not just to be a scratch off. You win $20, but like scratch off $10,000. Like you need to, and I need a couple of them. Right. Right. Yeah, so, not, yeah. So I think that was uh, a fine enough strategy. You do look a little light, obviously on uh, relief pitchers. Um, though I know Lamette's pretty talented. Maybe he finds a, a role and you were able to get Romano. In and the beauty of having that. Romano already. Yeah. So, and I, you know, thankfully I was able to kind of with roster moves, I, I'm playing the trying to corner the Padres relief market once I got Lamette. Right. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. But I've, I filled in kind of those guys back, you know, later. Uh, so, yeah, I always knew closing and relief pitching was going to be a little bit of a, you know, not that, be out of it. Not that it was uh, that early of a pick, but I think the DJ pick is going to be interesting. I think that's either going to like boom or bust because. Yeah, that was my thought with that, too. I couldn't believe that he lasted that long, to be yeah. honest. Uh, and it was kind of one of those things for me. You know, I didn't need a second baseman, but with him, I was looking for an outfielder. But it's like, oh, well, if he plays second base, Marte can play outfield then. So it works out well. Uh, but yeah, I think DJ within a month, you're going to know whether he's back or not, because you don't know if he's going to have even an everyday role in the Yankees lineup, although he probably should. And uh, I guess they need to play Aaron Hicks in center field or something like that. Uh, but the, yeah, yeah, I think you'll know quickly within a month or not, whether it's like he's bouncing back or not. So to me, that's like a great pick to take there. Yeah. I think that was late enough where there's very little risk, but I, I wondered the same thing. Like, does he have a spot in that, in that lineup? Uh yeah, but I mean, for me, with my offense, you thought I was, you know, I'm drafted my ninth hitter at that point. You okay. know? And I like the Grossman pick late. Uh, he was he was really good last year. Like, he, uh, I traded Crawford for him. Crawford. Like, Crawford went yeah. in the ninth round, which I think was a little bit disrespectful. Uh, and then Grossman was a top 100 player as well that you got in the 14th round. Even yeah, if he, he was doesn't, 2020. Yeah, even if he doesn't reproduce, like, he's probably better than most of the players taken in the fourth 14th round yeah I'm, I'm looking at uh, yeah, so yeah, sounds good. and I'll, I'll hope i'll hope edward Olivares makes the royals you know he's batting like 650 this spring uh i, I don't I've know if that's going to be enough to i don't know if that's going to be enough to do it but we'll see it was worth he was one that i always do so i always thought that i you know when grossman was still there i took grossman but he was always a guy that i had as like oh i'm gonna have as my last hitter or whatever to see if if they're gonna let him play or not I rostered him several times last year and every time they'd bring him up for three or four games, even if he hit, they'd send him right back down again. So that was very frustrating, but I like the guy, I like the skills and uh, hopefully he gets a, a role in that offense, which should oh, you so. know, only get better with wit joining. Yeah. I could, I could be watching a lot of Royals games this summer. How well, I, I guess your utility is going to be Bobby Witt. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll be Bobby Witt. All, all year you'll be uh, you know, shuffling through those starting pitchers, see which ones are paying off and which ones are droppable. Yeah. Uh, think, now, now it's just a matter of watching a lot of starts and cycling through guys. And like Patrick Corbin giving up six runs and in three innings. And you just like, do I, I Corbin Corbin's pitched well in spring, man. I, I believe I in Patrick Corbin. <laughs> I'm a, I, I believe in it. Yeah. And then uh, that Nick Lodolo pick, I think he might uh, get called up earlier than we thought. With uh, thanks for that, Jamie. I, I had I'll be the first to admit I didn't. I mean, I knew he was a prospect list guy, but I I had totally missed your Contreras pick, and I'd shut off my computer going into my last two picks. And it was funny that you and Trevor gave me my last two picks. Now I dropped Ian Kennedy, but uh, Lodolo, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he's got. He looks interesting. Yeah, I'd taken Contreras in that. Uh that 11th round. I did you took I, him early 11th. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's one of the other topics I want to talk about is it seems like in our league, if you want a guy, you need to like reach maybe the wrong word, but it may actually be the right word. No, and I, I and I've said this before and I did it. I mean, I did it last year. I took France in the sixth round. I did this year with Luzardo. Like I'll take a guy several rounds before I think he's going to go because it only takes one guy to like him. It only takes one guy to beat you and then you don't get him. So and then and then he's gone. Contreras in the 11th might have been like two or three rounds early, but I, I knew like I thought that he was most likely of any of the the young pitchers that didn't have much major league experience, like not the Joe Ryans or the Obers, uh, those types. But I think Contreras had a really good chance of contributing early. Uh, so that, yeah, that's there's definitely I, room in the Pirates rotation, and he's got a ton of talent. And I yeah, I'm a, I like Risney Contreras a lot. So yeah, he might be a, a May guy, and I think he's got the he's got the stuff. So it'll be interesting. And it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have those guys that like aren't up right away, but you know, it's going to be more interesting when he gets called up than you picking up somebody in free agency in May. Right. So again, I was talking before about like all the little edges you can find and the resources uh, available to you. Like this is absolutely one of them is you and I both drafted closers in the rookie draft. We know they're immediately going to be rostered. So we want to make sure we've got a stash in our uh, rookie spot that is going to be a this year guy. And that that's what Contreras falls into. And that, and that's the other interesting side of like what you're saying is it's like, you can get your this year guy who would have been a second or third round pick in the rookie round. And then later on, get a guy who, you know, is going to come up to go into your rookie slot and still, yeah, still get your rookie. And again, I can't keep him you know, into next year, but it's likely that I wouldn't be able to anyway. So you still, yeah. you have your cake and you, you know, you get to eat it too. And I don't know if a lot of teams in the league are doing that type of thing. Uh, hopefully they, they all do in the future. Yeah. I think more teams have kind of done that. Like duty did that with Cavalli, although I know he's gave up 10 runs. <laughs> I, I mean, Cavalli was another, one. I was going to do it. with either Cavalli or Contreras, the same exact right. thing. I was going to draft them uh in in a late round pick with the hopes that they'd be up uh so yeah it's it's i know he did it i can't think of any other people who did it uh i know i think trevor or not trevor Halski did it with meyer right uh so i I don't know there's always a couple and i know speed had done that with a guy last year but i forget who uh but yeah i you know i I look i like how that's all evolved yeah yeah i was like you that i was missing my top three picks and I kind of try to figure out where I believe players will go. Uh, and so I, I really liked your first three picks Yeah, I, of Ozuna and Wood was a guy I was considering when I took Strasburg too. Um, but yeah, Ozuna, obviously, I think, I think Ozuna has potential to be a, you know, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago in the shortened season was a top 20 hitter. Right. I remember Evan. Had- uh, yeah, and he was, you know, he's crazy hot. So he kind of always goes to those streaky stretches. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine. I can't believe that you're rostering wife beaters. But well, listen. Then again, you had the other Ozuna who also. There seems to be a little <laughs> bit of a trend here, Jamie. That's why I had, I had to get rid of uh, Kershaw because I know he wouldn't approve. Yeah, you're because uh, the other Ozuna you rostered too. Once he got suspended and waited for him to come back. Uh, so anyway. I, I like that pick a lot. Wood, uh, two. Uh, the Turner I loved. I yeah, how late did that, Turner. Yeah, how late did Justin Turner go? Like, my gosh, didn't he yeah, get traded last year that. for just a 
a crazy haul. Was that the Cindergard? Yeah, deal? and we were talking, and and yeah, it was a Cindergard deal. And Housekeep was talking about like how good, it's funny that I said I remember that pot. I was like, what's the difference between him and Donaldson? They just kind of different years that the ones healthy at the moment. It's like Donaldson obviously went in the fifth round, uh, and then Turner goes here in the sixth round. I think they're they're similar type players in that you know when they're healthy and playing, you know they're going to produce and be good. You just don't know how many games you're going to get. Yeah, I had Donaldson and Turner both on my board as like that would not be on a would not be available to me but if they fail obviously i was going to scoop them up and, and uzuna was the same way like i didn't think any of these guys would be available the fact that donaldson and turner were available when i picked wood like that that's what led me to to pick the starting pitcher there because i knew both yeah those guys like okay one of those guys are going to go back yeah but yeah i uh i didn't feel good not picking the first three rounds like there's a lot of guys that went you that I see a liked. lot of guys going yeah i mean that, for me it was like I mean, I knew I wasn't getting Gallon. The only other guy I was really hoping for was McKenzie. But once I kind of knew that wasn't happening, it made it easier. I, I had a lot more mid-round picks than you, though. So yes. it was, like, fun for me. It was fun for me to just run through, you know. the Like, my favorite part of the draft was this ninth round when it came to me, and I was able to just go Paddock, Rasmus, and Gray all in succession. Like, yeah. I had them all on my board, and they were all there. And it was just, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, got them all. So in the mid rounds, I was going the other way. Like you were taking the young guys that with upside. And I was like, I need innings. Like Chris sales starting the season on the IL. Like I need Zach Eflin and like yeah. Marco Gonzalez. Like I'm just taking like the bland ass hope they pitch 170 innings uh, with decent, you know, either. I thought the only other thing I thought that was interesting with your strategy though, is that you seem to be able to get some kind of, some kind of closing. Like you got, uh you got Bednar. Uh I assume you're taking shots with Solcer and Fulmer at those. Yeah, I think kind of trying to lurk, trying to lurk some saves. I mean, I think Solcer likely has the job. I think Fulmer last year kind of split it with Soto, but it, it doesn't seem like he's doing well in spring so far. But yeah, I think I've got and Bednar seems like he's got a share too. But I think I've got like five guys that combine to like 3.25 closers. Uh and I like the skills of a lot of the guys that I, I picked too. So uh, a lot of times that pays off over the year as people lose. But time. I think that was a difference in each of us of like you, you at least focus to get those guys. Whereas I kind of just resigned myself to other than Lamette of like, you know, free agent relievers. But yeah, my, uh, my starters are pretty shit. Uh, I don't feel great about my team. Obviously I, I feel great about my keeper set to a, a degree, but I think it's going to be a struggle trying to figure out who my one through seven starters are going to be throughout the year. Yeah. But yeah, was, 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 was Lizardo on your board? I mean, he was, so when you have so few picks, like, I feel like, again, I had, I didn't have the luxury of taking guys with question marks there. Like I know his velocity is way up, uh, but still he hasn't put it together for a full season. And that's like where I'm taking Afflin over Lizardo. So I didn't have the, like I said, the luxury of taking that type of player because I, I needed the the okay. The and it's always curious. Obviously, I think it's the same thing with France. It's like I feel like when I have a guy that I really want that I know I'm paying up to get, like it's like you're I'm, I'm I don't lurking. know. No, you're I think, lurking. I think I we see, like different like, guys. When I skipped usually. like when I skipped when I skipped Luzardo to take Kluber, originally I was gonna take him the six, but then I realized Kluber's there and I took Kluber and like it's like you had two picks to go. It's like man. <laughs> no, I I need to take my third baseman. And for the first time in a yeah. long while, I don't have Anthony Rizzo who went hella late. Holy crap. Rizzo went like 
again, disrespectfully late, but I had to take a first. He got any sent in Yankee Stadium as a left-hander, so, you know, could be interesting. Who got him? Uh, Ricky in the eighth round. Okay, that's a good so, pick. Yeah, I mean, that, that's there's almost no that's downside solid. to that. Um, but, yeah, R- Ricky's draft was okay. It wasn't great. I, I don't know. No one else really knocked my socks off. Uh, ben didn't have a lot to work with. Um, Ricky didn't have a lot to work with. Ricky, Ricky leaned over at one point and he was like, do you think it was worth it? And I was like, what? He's like, do you think it was worth giving up everything that we did? And I was like, is he talking about the James Harden trade? Like, yeah, we, <laughs> the Sixers don't have much. Yes, it was. Now, yes. But... God damn it. It was worth it. And then he's, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like all the draft picks we gave up last year. And I was like, dude, this is par for the course. Like, yeah, yeah. Get used to it, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> It felt like it felt we, like that one year where Mook didn't have any picks, and he was just like, "What is happening?" I'm thinking of, my life? I'm thinking of the uh, the meme with that guy with the noose on his neck, and like you're looking over, like, "Oh, is this your first time?" Yeah, yeah. Or the meme I think I, <laughs> I compared to Mook to, where it's like Pablo Escobar just sitting around, like on a park bench and like by a pool, and he's just like dejected. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. These these yeah. These people need to get used to uh, you know <laughs> used to watching good players go off the board. Yeah. Not, Especially not guys having, that like were on your team last year or that you liked. Not having four of your first six or seven picks like that's just the price you pay to compete. Like I'm it, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's the that's the environment these we're da- in now. These, da- these damn these damn Gen Zs, man. Yeah. These newbies. Yeah. You know they're gonna, they're going to be the end of us. Yeah, like I don't know what it's like. There's been some elite teams that have been in the playoffs many of the last several years, but like you get one of these newish teams like Ricky, which is awesome. And he's just not used to the price you have to pay uh for it or for admission. Uh then you gotta figure yeah. out a way. I next can't year. I can't wait. I hope I wonder if duty makes the playoffs this year. That's gonna be duty next year, sitting on the couch next to me. Right. No picks. He's, he's funneled <laughs> everything. He's funneled all of his 2021 picks, 22, 22 picks and 2023 picks into this one season. And if you do yeah. that, then yeah, the other, other years aren't going to go well for you. Uh, unless you it does make the draft a little less fun. I'll say I had one of my most fun drafts. So like it didn't have the stress of the first couple of rounds because I didn't have those picks and me having the mid, like the, the ninth round picks that I had, I, I had a great time. I'd do it again. <laughs> Yeah, maybe next if, year. If we'll anybody, have. if anybody wants my first and second round picks, just make sure you give me a nine back. I don't think I've picked in the first round in four or five years, and like it's just, uh, it's just not where I am in life. I'm, uh, I'm comfortable not, with the late, you're, the late ones. You're in a different phase. I'm in a different phase. I don't need those first round picks. I, I got kids. That's all the commitment I can handle right now. <laughs> I wouldn't want, true. I wouldn't want to make that first or second overall pick. I didn't think anybody was obvious. Uh, yeah, no, this year, so this year was the tough thing of, like, I think last year where I was like, oh, you know, I really liked Urias a lot, I really liked Musgrove, I think, you know, right. there was clear cases for my eight or Ryu, like, there really wasn't a clear number one guy this year, or clear, like, top end, like, I look at this first round, and, I mean, pretty much the first, I mean, even go, like I said, I, you know, I liked Gallon a lot there, but it's like, even going into Valdez and, and Gilbert and those guys, like, I, you could look at any of these guys and I could put them in any order. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. If Gilbert went like 10th overall, I'd be like, okay, you know, it's, uh, yeah. And yeah, Garcia, like it's, uh, like I said, 
Josh, Josh really wanted to know what I thought of his Luis Garcia pick. Uh, Cause I, I didn't react to his text. Cause last time he told me I overreacted or that I needed to calm down after I waited a week to, to text him back. So I was going to put him in the cooler for a while or whatever the house he did to me where I didn't even notice that he wasn't reading, leaving me on red. Is it's that- the Levitt. You leave him on red. That's what the yeah, kids say. That's what the kids say. Well, Gen Z and the kids <laughs> that are leaving people on red are ruining the league. Um, and, and Josh, who's a Gen Xer, I think maybe, I don't know. We'll he is a Gen Xer. That's the worst generation. <laughs> the forgotten generations, at least, you know, be a boomer or millennial who are at war for yeah. some, whatever reason. All right. I think that's our, uh, that's our draft recap. Yeah. I think, Anything I think else that's to good. Say? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm looking, you know, I can't believe we got to wait around another week. I've been, watching, I've been watching a lot of spring training box scores and all that. Uh, it's fun to be able to watch your guys pitch. Uh, my team is raking right now. So I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to start the count, so to speak. Right. Start the count. And I think we talked about most everyone, at least a little bit, maybe not Ben as much. So apologize to him, but I think we had everybody else pretty good. So uh, it's a good show, Ian, and uh, we'll see uh, see you on opening day next week. All right, I'll see you.